Business leaders today need to go beyond meetings and management. There are action steps that nearly every leader needs to know to align with their core values and get the important priorities done. Welcome to the Grow Forward Today podcast with Paul D. Casey. Whether you're just starting out as a leader in your organization or have been a seasoned professional who wants to explore new ideas and practices, this will be an enlightening and highly applicable program. And now, your host, Paul Casey. Waiting for your ship to come in, that big break where things magically fall into place for your desired future? Well, you get to build that ship. You've got all the tools, and it can be ready for boarding this very month because you are the captain. Today on episode 46 of the Grow Forward Today podcast, you'll meet my guest, Stephanie Fager. Stephanie is an author and speaker who is all about power, not the lording over kind of power, but she encourages self-empowerment for reaching your grandest goals, an obvious tie-in to this podcast's focus on on personal leadership development. Ready to grow forward? Welcome, friends. Have you heard of learned helplessness? It's a state of depression coined by psychologist Martin Seligman that leads to quitting on your goals. People say negative statements to themselves and destroy optimism by thinking their negative circumstances are personal, that they're the reason for the problem and it's only happening to them personally. They think that's pervasive. They believe that they are now a failure in all areas of their lives and permanent. They believe this problem will be with them forever and they can't do anything about it. Ever thought any of those morale killers? Seligman has dedicated his life to teaching learned optimism instead. What a better mindset. My guest today has a fantastic mindset that I believe you will see as contagious, personal empowerment. My guest today is Stephanie Fegger. Here's a little bit about Stephanie. Throughout her life, she has been in the business of empowering people and helping others uncover their power to their own success. However, it was a dream, literally, that left her with a charge to reframe how she saw her own life and encourage others to do the same. This dream became the catalyst for her to redefine her own success, reevaluate her personal goals, and turn her what-ifs into why-nots. Stephanie is the author of Color Today Pretty, an inspirational guide to living a life in perspective, and Color Today Pretty Guided Journal, where she shares her secrets to harnessing true perspective, the ones she has used to discover the difference between living an ordinary life and an extraordinary one. Through her speaking engagements, engaging workshops, and customized learning opportunities, she invites others to embrace perspective even when it may seem most challenging. After working in the communications and marketing industry for years, Stephanie merged her unique expertise with her life passions founding the Empower PR Group, where she provides customized coaching and consulting to authors, small business owners, and entrepreneurs, ensuring those who need to hear their empowering message can and do. I met Stephanie by chance, well, never by chance, there's always a purpose, uh, in Seattle while she was helping a fellow speaker amp up her new book with her PR services, and we hit it off right away. Welcome, Steph. Thank you. (laughs) And we were just laughing about the stuff. We're on that level. You can call me that. 
<laughs> yes, I'm in the inner circle. You are. You are. <laughs> it's also teasing that, you know, as I write these questions, I was a Steph stalker, which is a hard, that's a, that's a mouthful. The word Steph is a, is a mouthful. It's weird, right? Yeah, but a Steph stalker. Um, at least I know you and you're cool, right? You're that's right. One of the right. creepy stalkers. That's right. That, that would actually be too creepy. So we'll, we'll bounce from that one. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Well, one day, Steph, you woke up with a completely different perspective on life and your life purpose was transformed. Can you take us back to that moment? Yeah. You know how there are some times in your life that you'll never forget, like the day you get married or the day that your children are born or the day like, you know, I don't know, you wake up from a dream and you can't shake it. And so this was one of those for me. I have always been a very vivid dreamer. And many times though, I'll wake up and I would look at my husband and go, Oh my gosh, like I had a dream. And he's like, what was it? I'm like, man, I can't remember it. Right. 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 But this one wasn't it. I woke up and I was bothering everybody in my corporate job about it. They were probably really annoyed because we would start a call and I'd go, Oh my gosh, I had this real weird dream. And I was trying to unpack it. And it took half the day before I unpacked it. And then I had this aha moment and realized that you know, call it God, call it the universe, call it your inner self, whatever you want to call it, um, was charging me with something with a change. And it has literally 360 my life. So I'll take you back to the dream. Uh, my husband and I must have been watching way too much reality TV shows <laughs> because I went to bed that night and closed my eyes. And I woke up like a Simon Cowell in a America's got talent type of situation. Wow. Right. And you've met me, Paul. I'm not very much like Simon. No, I, I like people <laughs> nice kind of most days, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, um, but in the dream, like I was like him, I was the only judge on this talent show. And I am the person that stood between someone's dreams and the realities. Like I was the one that was calling the shots. Wow. And it was heavy. There was no one else, but I knew I had to do it. It was a big, uh, a big, a big shoes I had to, to, to fill. So this young boy walked on the stage. I can like close my eyes and remember him. He was a scrawny kid with blonde hair hair. And this was it's funny now, because I wonder if it's my youngest who has blonde hair. You're like, I wonder if it's like an ode to him. He wasn't <laughs> born yet when this happened. So uh, in this dream, this, this young boy came out with a canvas and he put the canvas on an easel and he pulls out this paints. And the first paint he did, I was like, this is horrible. It's a no-go. Like I, he's not moving forward. You know, he's not collecting a hundred dollars, like get out of jail free kind of thing. It was one of those things I knew I was going to have to tell him don't quit your day job, but he didn't have a day job. So I needed to say, go get a day job because this is not going to be, this is not going to be for you. And so I remember in my dream sharing with him, you know, thanks, but no thanks, you know, find something else in life. And he turned around and instead of do, so he didn't react the way I would have expected. Have you watched some of these shows? Yes, sure. sure, Yeah. So most of the people on the shows get news that they don't want to hear. They're on one of two ends of what I call the hot mess express. They're either like a ball of tears. Like nobody's ever told them that their singing is not good. And it's really not right. And he's to stay in the shower or they're so mad that they're like screaming expletives and like throwing temper tantrums. Right. So I, in my dream, I was expecting one of the two, but instead this young boy had a smile on his face and he turned around and he took his canvas. And instead of running away, he looked at me and he said, that's, okay, I just want you to color something pretty today. And he gifted me this canvas. Mm. And then I woke up from my dream. But so that the whole day I'm like, well, what am I trying to like, you know, be a judge of thinking that maybe I could unpack 
something in life I was trying to make a decision on, or what was I holding someone back about? And it was about halfway through the day that I realized as with most things in life, Paul, it's not about me. It's about others. And I made a pivot to evaluate what this young boy was saying. And I realized it was a way of life that I was being charged to look at life differently. That I guess as the As the judge, I thought there was only one way from point A to point B. And as you know, as a parent, and as I know with three, there's not at least there's at least three ways because all my kids do it differently to get to the end. (laughs) right? But there's a million. And this young boy was was not going to stop what he was doing. In fact, I think if he was a real human, not a figment of my imagination, that he would be probably who someone who is like, up there with like Mozart now, or like, you know, painting the Sistine Chapel. Like he was the person that was not going to give up. He saw a hurdle and he moved around the hurdle. He realized I, it might take me a lot of twists and turns to get to the end. But, but just because somebody, one person told me it's a no-go today, it doesn't mean my goals in life are a no-go and it doesn't mean I can't control that. And so I realized that he was a a symbol for me of see life through the lens of possibility and opportunity and learn and grow from the things that are not so great. And then he gifted it to me. So it's not like, Hey, Stephanie, learn how to, you know, watch this kid do this. He now then charged me to go color something pretty today. And so this concept of color today, pretty became a part of the inner workings of my DNA at the cellular level, because I started to realize that in life, nothing, uh, you can't control anything actually, except one right. thing, like you can try to get that job promotion. And then there could be another outlying factor of why you don't, you could try to get to work on time. And then there's a wreck. You can try to have a great day. And then someone comes in and like rains on your parade. Like there's so much in life that can happen. You can't control, but you can only control your reactions and your responses to what life throws at you. And so I see life now as a moment, as, as a series of moments and you get to choose how you color them. And so I have now embarked on a charge. So that, that happened, gosh, years ago, I mean, probably 10 years at this point that I had that dream. So now I really realize and try now to realize that this could be a really cruddy moment right now, right? Like something really bad can happen, but I get the chance the next moment to redefine that. That is so good. Yeah. I like to say there's a, there's four things you can control. There's probably more than four things you can control, like your attitude. We've all heard that one before. We can control our um, our priorities for the day. At least we can start by, you know, what what do I, what do I think is most important to work on today? Uh, we can control our work ethic today, like how hard we're going to work or if we're going to dog it and dial it in. And we can control our maturity today, which I think is the one you're talking about there, like whether I'm going to adult today. I don't know why that's a verb, <laughs> but uh, or we're going to adult today or, or not. tantrum the day. You get to choose that. <laughs> that's right. right? That's you right. get to choose it. Now, I don't want people to think that when you when you hear hear this lens of you what you can control and what you can't, that you can't have bad moments because you can you know, I've had my fair share of them from oh, yeah. child loss to job loss to lots of things in between. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying those aren't real, that you have to live in the clouds, but I am saying that you, I don't, and I also don't think things happen on purpose, but I do think you get the choice to decide, are you going to let those things shape your life? Or are you going to shape those things to become a part of the life you want to live? Yeah, that is so good. And that really goes to 
uh, what you've got on your website. You've got life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Why do you like that philosophy so much? I'm sure it's related. Well, absolutely. So I will never forget when I was laying on the couch um, after having a miscarriage at home alone. Mm. Okay. Not to get too deep, Paul, but Mm -hmm. I remember going through that alone, going into labor alone in my home and losing my baby. Mm. And at that moment, I just wanted to wallow in nothingness and let the couch absorb me and just be done. And I, and I had a very weird serendipitous series of events that pushed me to look at it differently. And now, you know, over a decade later of losing my child, I realized that I don't want to be a part of this club of child loss, but I am. And because I am, I can now be an advocate for others who go through this and don't know what to do. I also see now that it didn't happen on purpose, but it has made me a better mother. It has made me look at so many things differently. And it doesn't mean that I'm not still sad about that or about my own job loss or about other things that have happened in my life. It just means I realize that purpose is something we get to decide. And it feels like I can control that more. And it allows me to also realize that anytime I have a plan, life, capital L life has a different plan. And so I've given up this type A personality of what I think is going to drive and take and, and set back and realize I can control the me that I bring to it. And that doesn't, that means if I limit myself in my five-year plan, life might have a bigger five-year plan or a yep. completely different one. But Mm -hmm. I now no longer get let down by that because I'm not looking at life that way. Instead, I'm looking at great opportunity was just given to me. So what do I do with it? Or a challenge was given to me. And how am I going to handle that? And how do I use it to shape how I see the world and how I see myself? Yeah. Life is not what happens. It's how you respond to what happens. Love that quote. And thank you for sharing that vulnerable moment too. Uh, like Absolutely. you said, you've turned that uh, that dark time into something that where you can help others. I think you're a woman of faith. Uh, I'm a yeah. faith person as well. And there's a verse that talks about God comforts others so that we can comfort others, right? It's like, it's yeah. not just to fill our own tank or get us through a difficult time. And so we could turn around and do something with that experience, even though we didn't want it at all, right? There was, we would never have signed up for that. Uh, I've been through a divorce in my life before, and I would never have signed up for that. And, but then years later, very, very, Recent after that, I was asked to actually teach the divorce parenting class Mm -hmm. that the state requires all those uh, that are going through a divorce who have children. They have to go through that. Yeah. Oh, I've been through that as a child of uh, divorced parents. I know that class. Okay. Yes. And so I got to teach that class. And as soon as I told my story, I had all eyes up like, whoa, you know, uh, and and uh, then I, I had them for a moment. And then it was like, that's the moment that I could speak into their life. You know, like, exactly. like don't badmouth your, your, your spouse, almost ex-spouse, you know, right, right now, because they're half of mom and they're half of dad. Right. And it's like, even though every bone in my body wanted to, don't do that. Right. But it's for your kid's benefit. And so I was able to turn that around and turn it into that's something awesome. good. I've also realized, Paul, that when, and as a woman of faith, when I'm comfortable, I, God doesn't talk to me in the same way, or he's talking, I'm not listening. That's the better answer. (laughs) So I have started to realize when I'm uncomfortable is where he can do the best work. And when I, I am pushed in uncomfortable ways to experience things that are not how I would want them, 
I can always in retrospect, look back and realize he was refining and shaping me to be a vessel for what he wants me to do in the next phase of my life. So, you know, I am where I'm at now, not because I wanted to be actually, I fought every step of it. I didn't want to publish book number one. I didn't want to publish book number two. Didn't want to form a business. I didn't want to do any of this. I was the (laughs) temper tantrum toddler, but I have relinquished control because I realize every time I'm uncomfortable, he has big plans on how I can serve him. Not to go all God on us, but we're good here. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's polishing the diamond. That's what we're talking about here. Absolutely. And that that probably goes in touch with Color Me Pretty. So let's talk about those two books that you, I guess, fought kicking and screaming to write. But what what will the reader find inside those books to help them grow forward? Well, here's what's a couple things, a couple things to think about. First of all, when you find yourself needing a pick me up, when you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself like unsure of the next step, I think everybody should find an outlet to understand what's really going on. And so what was happening in my life from the outside looking in, I had moved up the corporate ladder. I had a position that was well sought after the organization I worked for had gone through all these transformations and I was leading a national initiative, like things on the outside looked massive. And on the inside, I was dying a very slow death. (laughs) It was (laughs) my, the energy and the passion I had and the zest I had for what I was doing was, was slowly fizzling. The light was being snuffed out. And I remember having this thought, if this is what success is, I don't want it. Like, is this really what success is? I don't like this at all. Mm -hmm. Like this is not okay. So I needed an outlet. And what I would find is I would have um, some pregnancy insomnia, or I would have um, like a panic moment before the workday started. So I would just close my eyes and I would put my hands on the keyboard and I would say, God, what do we need to talk about today? Or what do I, what's heavy on my heart that I need to talk through? And I would just start to write. And for years, I was just writing as a journaling experience to charge me to get something out. And what I didn't know is through that process, I was actually being gifted with a seven step kind of guide on how to um, eliminate the excess to, um, not hear all the chaos and focus on how to, um, sew your needle with the perspective thread to create a tapestry in your life that has purpose interwoven that you've controlled, right? This, this, this story of purpose and perspective is, is a part of each of us. And so, in the book, you are, you will find 35 vignettes of personal stories. Some of them are really heavy and hard, like the story of when I experienced a sexual harassment situation for my driver's ed instructor at 15 and was told Ooh. by the police to never talk about it, Paul. Ooh. So for 20 years, I didn't talk wow. about it until the book came out. You will hear something heavy like that. And then you will hear something beautifully light, like when I went to the eye doctor and observed one day how a couple, an elderly couple were interacting with one another. And the takeaway from that, you will hear something as fresh as how rock and roll music has so many amazing layers in it of how it can teach you something as it was a part of my childhood DNA, you know, to the, what it the very first chapter is a very, very cool, crazy story of my child loss and the beauty that came from it. Right. So the book is meant to give different perspectives and layers of, of hardship and beautiful moments and see each of them as, as a learning opportunity for us to reflect on the people we want to be 
and how perspective can drive us forward and how we can be big enough in this world to be the change we want to see. Cause it starts with one. So it was a labor of love that was not meant to be created. It wasn't until <laughs> the company I was working for, uh, I got wind was going under a uh, massive change. And I knew that I knew that layoffs were coming, that a friend of mine in the industry said, I, I said, what would you do if you're not here? Cause I'd been there a decade. And I said, I don't know. What do you think I should do? And she said, you should write a write, or she said, you should blog. And I remember going, there's no money in blogging. What a joke. How can I pay the bills? There's no insurance there. And then I went to bed that night and I woke up and I said, challenge accepted. And I started blogging the types of things I was seeing and how I was being honest and vulnerable and real, but really challenging myself to see something unique and, and life-giving from it. Uh, And so the whole book was not written for anyone else. It was written for me. I needed it. Mm. I still need it. But as the blog started coming out, people would say, Stephanie, when's the book coming? I'm like a book. I don't know. When's the book coming? Um, And, and as God always does, he created a really lovely path to help bring this book to life. That is such a great story. And, and I'm envious in a way because uh, all professional speakers need lots of personal stories to infuse uh, or back up their point that they're trying to make, or maybe even the story is the basis for the point they're trying to make, you know, and they, and they, in the uh, speaker training often says like, go back through your life and document some of these stories so that you can use them when you need them. You have that, you have that oh all in the book. I know, right? I have way too many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, cause once you get into this perspective kind of shift, you start to see it's this moment thing, Paul, you start to see the biggest things that shape you are the smallest moments. And so it it was crazy when that, that whole dream literally made me stop life and pause it and realize that every moment there's a teaching and that every moment, and not just a teaching for other people, but a teaching for me. And, And what I found is as I started to allow perspective to be a part of my story that it became, as you mentioned earlier, a contagious thing for people around me. And then they started to, this is the crazy part. They started to use color today, pretty as a a mantra for their own life. (laughs) And, mm -hmm, and I'll never forget. So I was the night that I was writing the chapter that was really heavy about my uh, horrible situation. My driver's ed instructor. I was pregnant. So it was the middle of the night. And I remember going, God, really? Can I please sleep? He's like, nope, you can't sleep. You have to write this chapter. <laughs> and my husband wakes up because it's time for work. And I'm bawling with typing, like, Ooh, like on the keyboard, bawling. And he goes, are you okay? I'm like, I'm great. And he's like, why are you great? I'm like, every word was a feather of a wings that I needed to like leave, let this thing go. I said, but there is somebody I think in the world that needs what I just wrote And they need it in the middle of the night where I wrote it. I'm like, I don't know why. I just feel like there's one person out there. And a couple months after the book came out, I had a woman share a really intimate story with me about um, a stroke she had and anxiety that came around it. And she, she messaged me in the middle of the night, Paul, and told me that he was crawling into the closet with her Kindle. My book was on it and she was having a panic attack and she read my book. And in 15 minutes, she could breathe again. She's literally told me my book saved her. And I'm like, no, it didn't. And she's like, your book saved me. And so I mic drop. I said, if I sell no more books, that's fine. You know, because <laughs> that was the reason that was the reason I was gifted with this ability to see this perspective because somebody else needed it. 
And I think we all yes. need it. Yes, it reminds me of that one quote. It's like if if I've changed one life, you know this this life has been made worth yep. it, right? I can't remember Absolutely. what the quote was, but it's True. it's similar to that. Like we it, oftentimes the experiences, the wisdom, the whatever that's been given to us is we're just a conduit, like you said. That's it. We're we're just flowing the love of God to other people. We're flowing what we have learned onto others. If we kept it to ourselves, it'd be like. Uh, what kind of hoarding would that be? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wisdom hoarding. It would, it, right. It would be, it would be total selfishness. And, and I've just realized that that's not, that's not what we're called for. One of the uh, seven steps is the power of knowing that literally all you have to be is to, is love. And I experienced that when I went through my job loss and I actually started, um, the NSA, the national speakers association speakers, uh, Academy, I think is what it was called. And I'm sitting around a group, um, a round table of all these corporate people with lawyers and CEOs. And I literally had no job title and it came to me. And they're like, Stephanie, introduce yourself. And I was like, hi, my name is Stephanie. <laughs> And then I stopped and I realized I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to navigate from that. And so it uh, perspective guided me there and made me realize that really at the end of the day, if we are just people of love, good things will come. Oh, so good. So good. Well, let's take a break. You are listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast on the Voice America Business Channel. And you can contact me at my website, growingforwardservices.net. And my guest, Stephanie Fager at her website stephaniefegger.com that's f-e-g-e-r and stephanie the traditional way with the ph in the middle (laughs) we're going to be back uh, after the break and we're going to be talking a little bit more about empowerment and we're going to talk a little bit about how stephanie helps authors and entrepreneurs and business owners and her speaking career and wow just so much coming so stick around Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're a manager or supervisor trying to keep your team and yourself engaged, motivated, and accomplishing goals, then you want to check out Bullseye. Paul Casey's membership community for team leaders, coming alongside you to achieve confidence and success in leading your team. Within Bullseye, there are plug-and-play forms and tools, inspirational audios to pump you up, team player videos to play in staff meetings, icebreakers for your one-to-ones, and of course, interaction with Paul and other industry team leaders to chat about how to solve the problems you are wrestling with. Paul will bring on live experts once a month to answer your questions on their expertise, and he will ping you twice a week via text to encourage you in your pursuit of your goals. Finally, there is a resource for anyone who supervises others and wants to develop their potential. Check out Bullseye to find out more and subscribe today for the best rates they'll ever be at growingforwardservices.net. That's growingforwardservices.net. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the Grow Forward Today podcast. If you'd like to know more about Paul Casey or our program, please visit his website at growingforwardservices.net. Now, back to Grow Forward Today. Welcome back to the Grow Forward Today podcast. I'm with my guest, Stephanie Fegger. 
and uh, she has been sharing very transparently, very vulnerably, some of the struggles in her life that is, she has just taken and turned into something great because of her response, because she's a possibility thinker, because she is a conduit of love and uh, wisdom and wants to pour that onto others. And that's why I'm so glad she's on the show today and you get to experience her she spends a lot of time with authors. So Stephanie, talk to me about why authors, I mean, you're an author yourself, obviously, as am I, what power does an author have? Why do you like working with that group? Oh my gosh. Well, as with most things in life, I never chose this again. I didn't want to do it. And my book was coming out, Color Today Pretty was coming out in 2018. And my book coach charged me to share my book marketing plan a couple of weeks before the book came out. I shared it. And I get off the phone or off the webinar and I have a phone call from my, my um, book coach and my publisher. And here I am guilty gal over here thinking, oh my gosh, I messed up. They're not going to like publish my book. What did I do? And instead, both of them said, how do you know how to do that? I said, how do I know how to do what? And they said, market a book. And I'm like, well, doesn't everybody? And they said, no, nobody knows how to market a book. And that's when I said, oh, wait, okay. Color Today Pretty has nothing to do about what I went to college for. And I have been working 15 plus years in corporate America doing PR communications and marketing. Mm -hmm. So it was innate in who I was. And I just thought it's what everybody did. So, so immediately I started collaborating with the publisher that I had uh, worked with and continued to grow where I now help authors around the world market their books. And the, I think the beautiful like interconnecting thread is that I am not a traditional marketer. In fact, I think perspective, I think my first book and my way of life pivoted how I look at even book marketing. I don't think people have to do all the things. You just have to do the right things. I don't think it's about um, pushing books or spikes in sales. I think it's about momentum and changing people in the process. The Empower PR group is actually built on empowerment. And I believe authors have the ability to not just be empowered themselves, but to empower other people out of all yes. of the ways that we choose to write to share a message. We've picked the hardest one, Paul, like <laughs> writing a book in a, in like a, a cabin in the mountains where nobody understands and then be scrutinized by people and then go on stages and do consulting. Like we've not picked the easy route. So why? And so I've done a lot of listening and dissecting on the why. And I realize when you know why you're doing it, it is the perspective guide for you to find the right marketing direction and have built the Empower PR group around all of that. It's been a absolute fun journey because I think authors are some of the coolest people on the planet. <laughs> and, and I believe we are um, bridge makers. So we didn't go to school to like figure out how to create bridges, but books are bridges. Um, we, we are in the business of building bridges and breaking down walls. And my dad shared with me one day on a podcast. I actually interviewed him for my podcast when my latest book came out, interviewed everyone in my family and asked them what author has made an impact in their life. And my dad shared something really amazing with me. He said, Authors are one pe or one person that write a book. A reader is one person that reads it. But when they come together, a third person is created. And that third person is this blend of, of these preconceived notions that a reader had mixed with this idea and this perspective a new person has. And together, something bigger is changed in the process. And I think that as bridge makers, we have the ability to help people see things in a very... Um, a very vulnerable, intimate way and evaluate 
evaluate themselves where their defenses are down, where the foundation of their walls are shook and the, and the mortar starts to break. And then the reader can pick up a rock and take them off. And that's where I think that change happens. Some kind of passion about authors and books. Can you tell? <laughs> yes, you are. Excuse me. I could tell for that for sure. And, you know, I always think like also you're, you're in people's homes. Your book, your message is in their home, in their easy chair uh, or they're at the gym. You're, you're at the gym with them in their ear yeah. if they're listening to it audio. I mean, these are very personal places where life change can happen. But books are bridges and authors are bridge makers. I mean, that, that is just so good. Thank you. Thank you. It's been, it's, I've experienced it myself from authors who have changed how I see the world. Sure. Me too. Yeah. Right. Right. But then on the flip side, I see authors who are doing things that make people better, that are making societies better, that are, um, instigating a spark within people that they didn't know they needed. And that's when I'm like, oh my gosh, this is powerful. And these books will outlive us. We will never be able to know our impact. Actually, I write in my newest book, Make Your Author Impact, that impact is finicky. You can't measure impact of what you do, but you can be cognizant of the impact people have made on you. And I think um, we are a community as authors of people who are... um, who love sharing with one another and inspiring one another, but we do it because the true impact we make, we don't know. And even leaders, it's the same way, right? Within a company, when you are put in a position where you can impart knowledge on someone else, you literally have no idea how that day, that moment, that experience can literally shape a life that has a trickle down effect. Yes. Words have such power. I mean, we can make or break someone's day with our words, we can help people grow with our words. We can inspire. Yeah, we can challenge. And, you know, we're talking mainly in the nonfiction uh, realm, but authors in the fiction realm okay. are also doing a service, right? What would you say oh that gosh. a fiction writer is doing? Maybe it's not uh, helping them be a better person today because it's uh, not a self-improvement book, but what would you say about a, a fiction writer? Actually, I think fiction, I actually think fiction writers are amazing. I wish my brain worked where I could write fiction. Maybe one day I have a couple ideas that I'm like noodling on, but there are a couple things. Fiction writers give us an escape in life and we need that. And sometimes creative escapes allow us to turn off our analytical part and open the flow for us to hear and see things that we never would. But my favorite fiction author, I keep talking about her and I'm hopeful one day I will meet her. (laughs) Maybe she'll listen one day and go, who's this Stephanie lady? But Jodi Picoult, um, or her, um, if you were to spell it out, it's like Picoult, Jodi Picoult. She is a fiction author who takes complicated topics in society and does tons of research around it and invites a reader in and uses it as a teachable opportunity to help you see all areas and all perspectives. Uh, There was a book of hers I recently read. I picked it up because I just love her and I loved the cover because let's be real. You don't want to judge a person by their cover, but we do judge books by their cover. Um, (laughs) And I thought, oh, it looks like my cover. And I opened it and it was about a topic Paul, I was so not open to hearing about, like I was, I had really strong (laughs) feelings. Right. Uh And I read it though, because I love everything and how she writes. And I ended the book changed. And I actually, for the first time ever felt compelled to email her. And I emailed this massive author and said, Jody, (laughs) 
oh my gosh, like you are doing you're you're a bridge maker. You are helping someone see life differently. And she responded and I will like, I almost cried. I thought I was the coolest day on the planet. (laughs) But so I think fiction authors have the ability to do that too. It allows us to see ourselves in somebody and to see a character go through challenge and make it through, but also to highlight things that are happening in the world and, and allow people to see things from a different perspective that they wouldn't normally see it. Oh, so good. So good. Where do small business owners and entrepreneurs tend to get stuck? How do you help them through the roadblocks with your coaching? Yeah. So I have found, I've merged this kind of blend because the moment that you write a book, you have actually started a business Yep. and many business owners or entrepreneurs see a book as a tool to build or grow their business. Right. So I call these people authorpreneurs, these uh, individuals who have a book and a message and somehow it's interwoven in their business. So I call this the authorpreneur equation. You could make call it the entrepreneur equation too, but here's the, here is the simple equation. Now I'm awful at addition and subtraction, but calculus was my jam, Paul. I almost went to college to be a oh, math teacher for calculus. I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. Hated calculus. Well, so we could have done it together because my dad one day said, if you need a calculator to add, you can't teach math stuff. Like you can't do it. So this is a simple um, algebra equation. I tell authorpreneurs or entrepreneurs, what you need is to know your value. You have a unique value, your value. Only you can bring your value to the world. And you are the only one that has that, right? You might have something that someone else looks like they have, but you're the only one with your experiences. Now, if you add that with the needs of your target reader, your target client, your potential client, your current clients, that is where when they come together, they create a marketable solution. I don't want business owners or authorpreneurs to say, oh, I see this as a need and I'm just going to fill it in there. Um, Maybe they don't have the passion for it, right? Or I don't want on the other end, someone to go, I know that I have something people need to hear and I'm going to talk about it. And then we identify that the target client has no need for it. It takes both of those. And so I learned that the importance of understanding a need of a potential reader or potential client while I was in the grocery store the first time my husband and I went grocery shopping after we got married. And I had been, I had been living on a $70 food budget in my very limited income. And he goes and throws a box of brownies in the cart. And we have a little squall in the middle of the grocery, which um, we're coming up on 13 years, Paul. So he hasn't run for the hills. Probably should have, but I started, I looked at him, I'm like, do we need the brownies? Really, Corey? Like, come on. Because in my old world of living on my own and trying to make the ends meet, that 99 cent box meant that I might not get something that actually would nourish my body, not just add calories to my hips. So Mm. instead he goes, 70, I really need the brownies. I'm like, no, but do you really? And he's like, I really need the brownies. So I have literally remembered that moment and realized that was one of the biggest marketing insights that I could give to anybody. And this is, and it comes down to this. It's not just the brownies. I need the brownies too now, Paul. So look, like I, I get it, but your target client, your target reader, they, whether they know it or not, have two buckets they carry daily when it comes to how they invest. And it's a bucket of needs and a bucket of wants. Now the bucket of wants for authors, I say that's like a beach read or for business owners. It's like, oh, well, that would be nice to have. Maybe that would help me kind of sort of someday. Uh, but the bucket of needs like they have already budgeted for this. 
right? Like they know that they need to grow in their leadership. Like that is a non-negotiable because they know it will help them in their career path. They know that they need to exercise. This is not me, by the way, Paul, I do not have a gym membership. I know I like, I would like to, I know I need, I, my husband needs it to me. It's a want. I need it. I know I need it, but I don't need it. Right. Right, And so I, but I need vacations, like vacations, non-negotiable. So I will, I I've already budgeted for it. If you find your target client has these needs and the, and the, and they see your business as a need, they will invest. Your business will grow. You will sell. You will make an impact. If it is living in the want world, my job is to help message and market and pivot and understand the niche and go deeper so that we identify the people who actually do need it. It is easier to convert a need uh, because that somebody already has, cause they will, they've already budgeted is harder to pivot a want. So that is one of my biggest kind of takeaways is, do you need the brownies? I mean, you need the brownie. I need the brownies, the corner <laughs> brownies for sure now. Right. But as you're thinking about your own business and your marketable solution, it's where it's where the value you bring that's only unique to you merges with the needs of your potential clients. That's where you now have a solution that isn't just a normal solution. It's a marketable one that will sell. Mm, the brownie principle. There's your next book. Ah, the brownie principle. <laughs> oh. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I've got one. And it comes the... with a free box of brownies. Yes. <laughs> See the marketing in you, the genius is just flowing out. See, I've got a book called the static cling principle. That was my first book. And it actually was, was came to me after doing laundry. And uh, see, you're, you could totally turn this and blow my book up. I just, I just know you could, but it was like pulling the static cling sheet off of an electricity that happened, right? And what oh, you need yes. to, what things that you need to stick to your life that are good for you and what things you need to pull apart, which causes electricity when you pull it apart and you get the shock, right? So that's, that, that was my first book. Poof, mind blown, brilliant. I love it. <laughs> but see, then people will remember that. And then they take a step back and they go, oh my gosh, I get it. And I can understand this more complicated topic, right? I love that. I want that book. I want your, I want to see it. We'll have to, we'll have to exchange books. We'll share, as a... we'll <laughs> I wrote down the brownie principle. I think that's really amazing. <laughs> there you go. That was free. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That's my one free, free tidbit today. <laughs> Well, Steph, when you get a chance to speak to a group, what do you typically speak about? It's probably one of these messages we've already been talking about today. Um, I know like one of your topics is to grow where you're planted, right? That's that's one of those. Is, is that one of the main topics or is there other ones that are more requested? Yeah, well, so I find that there are, mul- like any human, we wear multiple hats. So when I have women's groups, um, organizations bring me in to discuss the power of how perspective can change people. We tend to focus a lot on um, a couple of core topics um, from broken to beautiful is one of them. And that is um, this discussion of realizing what we talked about earlier about uncomfortability, uncomfortability, that word is hard Ooh, to say. It's a new word. Uncomfortability. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the business of creative word creation. I love that. Yes. Um, but realizing that bro- brokenness actually 
gives is an opportunity for us to now piece back together who we want to be, not who we were. And so that is a topic that I like to talk about a lot growing from where you're planted. You know, I live on a 25 acre farm, Paul, and, um, we have a, we have a garden and I have learned lots of life lessons, getting my hands deep into the soil. So realizing that we can't, may not be able to control where our seed was placed, where we were in our life or our career, but realizing that growth and potential happens there. But then on the flip side with authors and with entrepreneurs, I'm having the beautiful opportunity to talk about the power of impact. And I spell impact with the E-M, E-M-P-A-C-T. Oh. I had an, I had someone recently go, hello, didn't your editor catch that? I'm like, hello, yes. And I made up that word because I believe impact is something more than getting in a car wreck, than throwing a rock through a window, than like, you know, dropping something on the floor and it's shattering. That the type of impact I believe that we as humans, we as leaders, we as authors, we as parents and every hat we wear is an empowered impact. It's a rippled impact. It's the ability to, to change somebody, but then empower them to make change moving forward. So that is also kind of one of the beautiful speaking topics. I get the, the pleasure of, um, of bringing to audiences and individuals and organizations and everywhere in between kind of passionate about it. Yeah, I could tell. And you know, change making and often thought leadership go together. And I think you encourage people to become thought leaders. Mm-hmm. What would you say a thought leader is? And um, would you lead just about anyone to becoming a thought leader? Ooh, okay. This is a great question. Thought leadership is taking your perspective on what you see happening in the world and making, making really, really, really sugary lemonade from it, right? Like it is seeing life through <laughs> only your lens. So I do think all of us have the power to be a thought leader. What I, what I do worry with in thought leadership is some people um, could not be not. So I'm going to take a step back, Paul, if you don't mind. And I'm going to relate this to the power of a book. Cause I think it's also the power of a thought leader. I tell every author, there is at least two drafts in bringing a book to life. There's probably many more, but follow me here. Draft one is the book you write for you. And I feel like this with thought leaders, if you are coming to the table, just because you have something to say, the thought leadership, you will not go viral. The thought leadership will not explode. You will not be elevated. People will not follow that because it's not about you. The second draft of a book is, and this is the difference between a writer and author, like writers will stop at book draft one. Yay. I wrote something. The world needs to read it. Draft two is where authors come in. And that's where you reevaluate your message and realize what about my message can change somebody. And from a thought leader, a thought leader, the real thought leaders that are really doing something big, they are taking their perspective and they're shifting it and realize it was never about them. And it is always about somebody else and the change that can happen in someone else. And so I think, can anybody be a thought leader? Absolutely. I think everybody's story matters. I think everybody has something to bring to this world. I think all of us are vessels, but I think um, the thought leaders that are the most inspiring and game changing are the ones that realize that their thought leadership is not something that they take lightly. It's an honor and it's a charge that they've been given and they use that to pivot what they're experiencing to help somebody else. Yeah, I really appreciate that perspective because I always wondered, am I a thought leader? You know, I, you know, you have those moments where you're just like, mm-hmm. sure, I've written a few books and I've, I'm a speaker and I'm a coach, and but am, am I in that definition of thought leader? So you really broke that down into leveling the playing field that, yes, 
We are. If, yeah, you are. If we have our perspective and if it's for the benefit of others, right? Yep. And to and Absolutely. to pour out, but not just for all about me and my my perspective on things, uh, because I do see the world through. Uh, I even put in my journal like illustration, you know, and it's like I had a, like a dentist appointment experience like you or a gym experience. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to use that to, yep. to communicate a message that I think could help other people. Yeah, you are a thought leader, but you know what? Here's the crazy part. The real thought leaders don't even call themselves that. Right, exactly. <laughs> yes. The real people who are out there doing great things and do not need the accolades or the title. That's so true. So true. Because the best leaders are the humble leaders, the one that don't say, look at me. That's why self-promotion is so difficult. And we need folks like you that are going to be the PR uh, wizards. Yeah. And <laughs> because well, I know. So most authors I get to work with and entrepreneurs and businesses, the thing that they miss is the self-promotion. And I tell them it's not self-promotion. Are you kidding? You're not promoting you. You have that marketable solution. You saw a need, you have a solution to help those people. And yes. it's selfish. If you don't help, you are called to help and serve, like you share what you have. Cause you can change people. And so when we shift how we see our mm -hmm. own selves and also how we see marketing, which has this concept of very ickiness. It doesn't have to be icky. It's only icky if you're trying to do it to the, to the people who don't need you and don't want you and didn't right. opt in for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great perspective. Great perspective. Let's go back to the gardening uh, for, yeah. for a moment there. You use a lot in your blog, you use a lot of the gardening analogies uh, for some poignant statements about living one's life. And yeah. I don't want to uh, I want listeners to go to your blog, but could you just really briefly uh -huh. tell one of those uh, maybe metaphors of gardening in life? Oh, yes. I have my favorite one. Are you ready? It's crazy. So when my husband and I first got married, a garden was a big part of our lives and something I wanted because I grew up with my grandparents having a farm. So we would go to the farm in Indiana every weekend. And I learned, you know, about, I don't know, like, you know, getting stitches and, you know, splinters and the cat and all this stuff at this farm. So our first garden was so successful. And I had somebody ask me once, why, like, how are you getting so much, so many tomatoes, like so many tomatoes and so all this stuff. And they said, and I told them, I said, oh, it's the manure. And they go, what? I said, it's the manure. I said, when the garden's done, we get horse manure and we cover the garden and we let it sit. And this really gross stuff that everybody else throws away because it's filled with nutrients and it soaks in the soil and it replenishes the soil. And so as I sat back and realized, oh my gosh, when we are in a drought, when we are in a troubled times, when change is happening and it feels awful, we are just being covered in manure where we are given an opportunity to be replenished. We need to be grounded again so that the next thing that comes, we're prepared to let growth happen. I believe, so I really believe that living in the, living in the manure, Paul, is not supposed to be a bad thing. We do it every year in the, in the off season and in our own off seasons, or, you know, whether it's in our leadership world, in our business world, with our families, as parents, as people, we are just having nutrients being poured back into us. I heard one thought leader say, say, turn failure into fertilizer. And that goes exactly <laughs> with it. what you just said. Yes, it's so true. <laughs> Even if well, it's stinky. <laughs> that's right. Yes. It's going to produce something beautiful long term. Yeah, it will. Absolutely. Well, last couple of questions for you. What do you want to promote for our listeners' personal leadership development? And how could a listener best contact you if they wanted to follow up? 
Absolutely. So I am the host of the Empowered Author Podcast, which is a great solution for authors, entrepreneurs, or honestly, anybody who is wanting to grow their leadership, because that's really what authors are doing. And so we talk about a lot of things in there. I think that um, listeners would find really insightful and interesting. My newest book, Make Your Author Impact, again, is about how authors are being game changers. But I really, if I take a step back, it also has so many elements in just general leadership, personal growth and development as well. So both of those are really great solutions. Um, but I also just absolutely love hearing from people. And so if you go to my website, I have a um, free 15 minute chat where if I can pour into you either on the personal level and your business level, I would love to, because I love people. I'm a collector of people, Paul. And I think that People connect with people, people buy from people and people want to invest in people. So leaders out there, if you want to grow, you need, my, my thought leadership take is you need to invest in your people and in being someone who is also a collector of amazing people. Yay. Totally agree with you. Thanks Steph for all that you brought to us today and all the value that you landed. We really appreciate you and keep growing forward. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be here. Well, I have some takeaways from Stephanie today, as you probably all did. Uh, everything from the the dream that she had, which reminded her to move around the hurdle, doesn't mean your dreams are a no-go. See life through the lens of possibility. And all you have control over are your responses. You get to decide. She also shared we get shaped or we get forged outside our comfort zone. That's the place where the growth happens. And that biggest shifts can come from the smallest moments. And then remember her impact with an E, it isn't misspelled. Uh, and it deals with the ripples and being a change maker with whatever message that you have to communicate. The GFT podcast is all about putting the practical tips from my guests into action for your personal leadership development. Hey, and if you've got an event, a live or virtual event for your team or organization that needs an inspirational speaker to give practical tools for raising the water level of your entire team, I would be honored to be considered. Let's talk. I am at growing forward at paulcasey.org. Thanks for listening to episode 46. Please spread the word about this podcast to those in your circle of influence who are hungry to grow forward in their lives. Remember, you must lead yourself well before you can lead your team well. And until next week, keep growing forward. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of Grow Forward Today. Remember to visit Paul's website for more tools that you can use at growingforwardservices.net. Join us again for another edition very soon on the Voice America Business Channel. 